This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Good morning. This is Catherine Klein. I'm the Vice Dean for Social Impact at Wharton. And welcome to Dollars and Change. And welcome back to my co-host. Good morning, everyone. This is Sandy Marrow Hunt back after a refreshing and exciting three months of maternity leave. Excited to be with all of you again and back on campus again. Our first guest is Daryl Brewster. He's been the president at Crafts Foods, the CEO for Krispy Kreme Donuts, and he's now the CEO of an organization called CECP. So, Daryl, welcome to the program. Well, good morning. Good morning, Catherine and Sandy. Welcome back. Glad to be on. This is great to have you with us. So uh, let's start with CECP. What is CECP? Yeah, CECP is the Corporate Force for Good. And we were founded by Paul Newman, that actor slash salad dressing maker, um, along with leading CEOs back in the 1990s with the belief that the world's leading companies can and should be a force for good in society. The business could help make for a better world because that's been you know, a battle going on over the years. Uh, today, we have well over 200 of the world's leading companies that are engaged as part of the corporate force for good, and we help to uh, encourage and to empower them to advance society through business. So it's really a terrific organization. I'm delighted that the board you know, reached out to me after running a number of companies and uh, being, a, being CEO of, of publicly traded companies and turnarounds and things like that to really see if we could get the business community uh, to work together either on broad global issues or national or local and regional issues to make the world a better place. That It's in business's best interest and certainly in societies as well. That's, so that's, that's kind of what we do, and we're, we're, we're very excited to work with some wonderful companies and seeing some increasing progress. That is great. And, and I will uh, say that CECP is one of, the, you're one of those companies <laughs> whose initials used to mean something, and you said, you know what, we'll stick with our initials, but we're not sticking with those. Uh, um, you know, you're not sticking with yeah, a longer name. Anymore. Uh, IBM doesn't make machines anymore, and right. I guess KFC does more than just fried chicken, although fried chicken is good. Um, <laughs> you know, at CECP, we really think of ourselves as a corporate force for good, but the, the letters had some equity, and, and we wanted to build on that as we, we, we went forward. Got it. So, Daryl, before we dig into uh, talking about CECP and what you're seeing and uh, the ways in which businesses are engaging in this being a force for good, and uh, you know, I'm very interested in the trends, let's talk about you for a moment. Uh, you know, you've had quite the uh, corporate career, a tremendous success uh, as a president of uh, several companies and, and business lines. Tell us about this transition to uh, that made you say, you know what, I'm not going to lead a company. I'm going to lead a nonprofit. I want to lead this group of CEOs. What was that? How did you make the decision? No, it's great. You know, I had, was, was blessed to have worked with some of the greatest companies in the world. And, uh, uh, the old General Foods Company worked on things like Jello Gelatin and, and Minerize and Stovetop Stuffing and uh, spent a number of years at Campbell Soup in the, in the Philadelphia area, both in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, and then at Nabisco, products like Oreos and A1 Steak Sauce and did the turnaround. Uh, and we were bought by Kraft and worked with all those those, those great product lines. And uh, and then we were um, then, then had an opportunity to really go be the CEO and a turnaround CEO of Krispy Kreme, the restaurant industry, and really blessed and very fortunate and chance to see the world and, and hopefully make a positive difference in many people's lives. But so there was something bigger and different that I could do in my, my career in the next phase of my career. 
I sit on a number of boards of public and private companies, but it always seemed that I thought the businesses that were, were doing good by people, dealing with the needs, the unmet needs that customers and consumers had, and, and doing that in a responsible way, that those are the ones that over time performed even better. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the underpinning of, of, of the interest. And when the board, and I knew a few of the board members reached out and said, would you like to work with you know, 200 of the world leading companies to help them make the world a better place? It was kind of hard to resist. It was obviously very different than running a company, but I've seen that a lot of the principles that we had that led to successful business could be applied to the nonprofit uh, sector, what we call the for-purpose sector, to really make an impact. And we have a terrific team at CECP, and I'm delighted to be a part of that and to work with so many great companies across so many great uh, great industries as well. This is fantastic. We're already having so much fun talking to you, Daryl. You know, I think one question... I'm asking myself is what do these companies need that they're joining this coalition? So these are these are Fortune 500 companies. They have probably full CSR teams, HR teams. You know what's missing that this group brings to the table for them? Yeah, I think there's a number of, of ingredients that we, we we help companies with. You know, first is while well, companies do have CSR and may have a corporate foundation and uh, and other things going on as they deal with their communities, it really hasn't always come together at companies. You know, companies will have a production strategy, they'll have their geographic strategy. We help them to develop, you know, clarify and advance their social strategy. You know, how do you deal with those parts of society that you interact with? but don't necessarily transact with or don't transact well with. So is that's it really where we're able to help companies kind of think through that and to kind of all to work together to, to, to advance their, their agenda. Fantastic. So it's almost a consulting model where you're advising or do the fellow CEOs yeah, advise? Yeah, we are. We call it fast-track consulting. Fast-track um, consulting. And we really have two mandates, one of which is support companies in their efforts and help them think through those. Um, at the same time, to advance the overall movement of business as a whole, as being a force for good in the world. That's great. So, so Daryl, in your position with CECP, I know that CECP does uh, a fair amount of benchmarking for your member companies to to uh, you know provide them with some sense of where do they stand, how do their uh, efforts in this space um, you know compare to others. Could you tell us what you're benchmarking? Like, what are the metrics that you use? Yeah. And what are the trends that you're seeing, again, uh, across your member companies and the business more broadly? Sure. We, uh, CSP does an annual survey of companies. We have over 300 companies. This will be the 14th year that we're doing it. We actually kick it off tomorrow. Ah, so great. perfect timing for this. Um, and we do that both in the U.S. and around the globe. And we have a series of questions about how companies are engaging with society. Um, it started from our philanthropic base, so we try to understand how companies are uh, what I call investing their social dollars, but it's expanding beyond that to find other ways that companies are uh, working, engaging, and investing into so- the societies in which they are uh, part of that ecosystem, as, as, as you all mentioned. And within that, we're able to really benchmark companies uh, on a sense of the percent of their, uh, their uh, income that they're investing back into society how they might do that, the amount of staffing that they have relative to other organizations. What areas are they focusing on? Are they focusing on healthcare, education, community development? What are their leading practices they see as well? So it really gives us a wealth of information. It's a proprietary database that we have. Uh, we do it in conjunction with the conference board. And uh, we now have you know, hundreds of 
uh, billions of dollars that companies have invested, well over a decade of experience. It really gives us great insights on a quantitative basis of how companies can compare themselves. Do they want to be best in class? Do they want to be top quartile? Do they want to be middle of the pack? And it's, it's, we found that great, and we're now able to correlate that with, with longer-term business results, and, um, and, and it really gives us a great, uh, powerful tool, and it really brings data to the for-purpose and nonprofit sector, which has sometimes been lacking in the past. So we, we, we think it really adds a, a great deal of value to companies as, as, as part of what we're able to do and our, our support to them. Yeah, uh, so- sounds great. And certainly uh, at Wharton, in general, in the Wharton Social Impact Initiative, we are all about data and analytics. And you're absolutely right. I was just making a note, like, can we have that data? <laughs> I know, we have to talk about <laughs> Can we do some research on it? Um, at CECP.co, seeing that last year's survey, uh, we published an annual report called Giving in Numbers and a second one called Giving Around the Globe. Then every month we'll do a release on specific information and data. But what we don't do is share the individual company data unless they want it to be shared. So we found that we can help people better rather than putting the public ratings and rankings out there, which sure. some some do, we really try to work behind the scenes to support and encourage and empower companies uh, to be a force for good. Yeah. Well certainly this is an area of a lot of a lot of research, a lot of research interest. And you're right that, you know, measuring impact continues to be a a, a challenge. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you, Daryl, is just um, to have your thoughts about corporate philanthropy. Um, because I think there are you know, there's sort of at least two or three different perspectives on corporate philanthropy these days. So one of that is, gee, corporate philanthropy is important and good, uh, and um, we need to see more effort around this. Another might be some version of, hey, corporate philanthropy is good, and it's a great starting place, but we want to see, or it's important to see companies to get engaged in other ways. And, And so I'm let me just leave it there. I'm curious about your perspective. What do you see about arguments of, yes, philanthropy is important and good? And then what, what about this argument that, that we need to see companies not just give dollars but um, incorporate social impact in their strategies more directly, engage their workforce, engage their business practices with this larger social purpose? Yeah, great, great, great question. And one thing we've learned, although it, it was the start of our name, is we rarely use the word philanthropy that these days. It's a great word, comes from the Greek love of mankind, but it tends to get people into the area of kind of giving, donating, and charity. And that's really nice, but that's not where we think a lot of the corporate you know, focus uh, is among, among a lot of the leading companies. Um, so we think of that as one slice of the many ways in which companies can develop and invest in their social strategies. So it's sort of like uh, cable TV as it is to the total world of marketing. So it's one way you can do it. It's great through cash. But we really are seeing a lot of growth in companies, and we see that through our reports, that not only is it cash that they can invest back in communities, it can be employee time, skill-based volunteering. It can be the donation of goods and services. Um, we've just come out with a report on impact investing. Uh, we're seeing companies like Bristol Myers um, released over a thousand of its patents, um, which they were not going to use for commercial reasons to nonprofits to address um, diseases around the globe. Powerful concepts like that that people are doing. Or a company like Walmart, which sometimes comes under criticism, but has the world's best supply chain and the work that they did at Katrina, and they're really now leading efforts on disaster response and relief. So it's, it's well beyond the cash giving. That's nice. 
Um, but that's just a, a small element of where we started, but we've really seen this evolve in terms of broad-based, comprehensive, integrated social strategies. Some companies are better at it than others, but we see a lot of our companies are really trying to move up on the, on the scale of that. So we really think about it as social strategy or societal engagement for companies uh, rather than just one small, one of the many tactics, uh, which would be like, which would be philanthropy. Great. We're, we're speaking with Daryl Brewster. He's been the president of Kraft Foods and at Krispy Kreme, and now he is the CEO of a nonprofit organization called CECP, the Corporate Force for Good, engaging businesses in, in their social impact. So, Daryl, I want to pick up where we where we just were and talking about the you know the myriad of ways a company can make a social impact, and and for our listeners. I sort of break it down into a couple buckets. So there's what we talked about, traditional philanthropy, CSR, that's volunteering in the community, food drives, that sort of thing. There's your human resources, so how you make a social impact through health care, maternity leave, you know, your hiring. There's your supply chain, so who do you buy from and what standards do you hold them to? And then the, the fourth I sort of think of is like products and services. Are you putting healthy food or good product out there that's, you know, advancing positive social impact? The tricky question, I imagine, for a lot of these CEOs is where do you put your energy? You know, which one of those, you know, do you put all your eggs in one of those baskets and try to be best in class with, I'll, I'll say off the top of my head, maternity leave and lactation rooms for your employees and all sorts of, you know, positive HR impact? Do you do a little bit in each of those? But how do you help a company really select where to focus their, their energy now that there are this, you know, host of options? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and I think... For each company, there may be a different answer based on the situation, the business they're in. What we want them all to do is think about what the social impact of what they're doing, both from what the risks they can avoid, but the opportunities they may be able to, to, to gain as well. So we really think about the social strategy as a, as a comprehensive way to think about how a, how a company can engage with those that it interacts with but doesn't necessarily transact or transact well with. So each of these areas can make, make sense for um, for, for, for companies, depending upon their, their business situation. In the, in the Silicon Valley, for instance, where the fight for talent is so enormous and immense, uh, it, you have a different set of skills. It's how do I attract and how do I attract the best engineers to really help and support the companies that, were, uh, that, that, that may be in that area. So what you find is a broad way of, of people to um, – of, of companies in terms of how they're looking to try to engage with, with employees. You know, in another area for an extractive industry, um, mining, uh, some of the energy areas, et cetera, your, your work in the communities that you may be affecting is really critical. So based on where those are, you may aim your direction of your efforts, but it kind of comes into the essence of what the company is all about and how can it improve its stead within a broader society. Great. Uh, I have to give a, a plug, a shout out to one of my uh, colleagues in, at Wharton, a faculty member, uh, Veet Hennish, who has, you know, to that point about extractive uh, industries, he's done a lot of work on mining companies and has shown the the importance of those community relationships and the financial returns that you get. You know, so gold in the ground is one thing, but it doesn't really help you very much if you can't get it out of the ground. <laughs> you can't uh, get out of the ground if people are protesting, if you're, you're hurting those communities. And some industries... Um, end up doing it because they they or somebody else in their industry made a, made a mistake, and then people have to rectify it. Yeah. Others find leaders who see it ahead of time that they need to get ahead of the game on that. So mining industry is actually a pretty good example. Uh, had some issues going back in history, but has really stepped up because part of this also is your license to operate. 
or mm. licensed to have less regulation. Mm-hmm. And if you're seen as a good guy and you're doing good things in the community and work, you're given more room. Right. You're seen as somebody who's really at the edge, trying to figure out how they can squeeze everything out of everybody in there, you know, the world's going to push back. So as, as we talk with companies who, and today, of course, we're talking about regulation and cutting it dramatically. The regulations industries get is everything it deserves and then some. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, so avoiding that, we think, is the, is, is a real winning strategy for companies. Right. So, Daryl, one of the things that we're going to really be highlighting in the remainder of the our show today is these coalitions of CEOs. And I know, you know, you are fam- quite familiar with uh, the kind of work Fred Keller, uh, who we'll talk about with next, uh, the Fred, the work that Fred's doing on Talent 2025, the work that Brad Hewitt has done um, with the Itasca project. Uh, what are you seeing in, in your perch? When do these CEO coalitions come together? Any thoughts about, like, when this works, how this works, how they get off the ground? Yeah. Well, well, I think it's one of the really exciting areas, and I really applaud you all for putting together such an outstanding uh, high-impact program. Well, thank you. Thank you for your suggestions about our guests, too, because you were helpful. it really is, and and, and pulling together is is, is really a credit to you all. You know, what we kind of – companies address key issues, and sometimes you figure you can solve them yourself, right, and you can get them done. But many times the social issues that we are dealing with, like how do you get a whole region to be more competitive, say, in western Michigan with Fred? Or in Minneapolis, and Minneapolis is a wonderful city in the summer, but how do you have a city <laughs> there that is a great place for people that can thrive the rest of the year um, is, uh, is an important aspect of how the community needs to really come together to pull that on. And then in the area of veterans, and we'll hear some banks who don't always have the best of reputations, but have really come together to help veterans uh, integrate back into the workforce. Right. Powerful examples. No one company could have done themselves. So we, we see that there are still a lot of individual company initiatives that are out there. IBM Smarter Cities is an example. Goldman Sachs work with 10,000 women. But a lot of our more fundamental issues are going to require collaborative efforts. And uh, we're seeing a growing number, and I think you have some of the better examples that we've seen uh, on the program today. Yeah. And, you know, any, again, is this is this a trend? Is this, Are we seeing enough of these? Are you seeing enough of these uh, CEO collaborations, these coalitions, to say this is a trend? Or it's not quite a trend, but but we hope it becomes yeah, a trend? I think it's the beginning of a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, we identify trends every year at CCP. You know, we talk to 100 companies every month. We have hundreds in our survey we mentioned. And we identify a handful of trends. But one of those is this notion of collaboration uh, among big companies. In fact, some have said, Maybe our initials ought to be chief executives for collaborative partnerships. You know, all sorts of letters we can come together, um, you know, for what CECP stands for. So we actually see it as growing. Um, they are not always easy. And I think you'll hear from, from Fred, who's learned a lot in Western Michigan. Uh, the team in Minneapolis, who's been going at this for decades, has really developed a, a, a model. Uh, each might be different because the best of these are going to bring together public and private partnerships, nonprofits local government uh, and business to really partner together on key areas. So we're seeing a growing number of these and a lot of others that people are starting to to, to work on. We're starting to see some in the the global world where uh, GE and and J&J are working on areas in terms of major health care concerns and issues that come up. 
Uh, Walmart is leading some efforts on disaster relief and getting other companies engaged and involved. Uh, but it does take, you know, collaborative efforts take everybody having a common goal and partnering and, and working together appropriately. So there are some, uh, some some learnings we've seen on how to make these things successful. Yeah, it's great. I have to say that as a as a management professor, uh, you know, and the vice dean for social impact, I'm really fascinated by this because they're, you know, as you've suggested, creating successful collaborations is a challenge. And and man, when it works, it's it's uh, it's so exciting. And uh, and I also want to give a little, uh, I, I suppose, pitch. Um, I just started to read a book that's getting a lot of attention uh, called uh, Hillbilly Elegy, right? Describing uh, you know growing up in in Appalachia, but it, it man, it gives a great picture, a really interesting picture of this one family, one, uh, but the larger community in Appalachia. So when we think about these regions of the country that have suffered. Uh, and could really use the kinds of business collaboration to say how do we how do we grow employment how do we uh, you know strengthen the the economic fiber of this community uh, it's exciting to think about these these efforts it really is. and I think we we've often looked at, and I think there's still opportunities for us to solve some of our big issues on a national or even a global basis but at some level it all happens locally or regionally and so if we can get groups together um, one of the keys to making collaborative efforts work is trust. And there tends to be just a greater level of trust that people are all in the same watershed, as they say, and all kind of working together, driving the same highways, you know, rooting for the same local sports teams. Uh, that helps to bring people together. Uh, collab- you know, getting stuff done is hard in one company, uh, in one organization. We have multiple. It's just like that, but harder. But having areas where we can kind of common goals and common trust can really help in, in those efforts. And I think it's a good example of how we can take parts of the country that maybe have been bypassed or industries have changed in the world, but how do we rally that together? And I think coming up from local areas can be very, very powerful. Yeah. Daryl, we are sadly coming to the end of our segment. Oh, no. So I want to make sure we get, give some advice to our listeners from all your experience. So for those listening who perhaps are not the CEOs of companies large enough to be a part of your coalition or running small businesses or medium businesses, what is your advice for you know one or two things that they can do now to think about how they can make the greatest positive social impact? What are some of the the lessons from the uh, from the big leagues here? Yeah, you know one, one one thought here is just sort of the approach, the kind of attitude, the narrative you take to thinking about how companies can make an impact, and then I've been on one other thought as well. Historically, we kind of thought of doing good, doing well as an or. So I could either mm-hmm. do well and I could go make money, or I can do good, take a vow of poverty and, and work in academia, right, um, and, and, and those kind of areas. And that was sort of a choice, that forced choice that we thought about for years. I think over the last 20 years or so, particularly over the last 5 to 10, we've really seen that as an and, right, where you can do good and do well. And you can do those simultaneously. You don't um, learn, earn, and then return. You can kind of do those at the same time throughout life. Um, and that, by the way, is, is major progress from where we had been historically. We think there's the beginning now of kind of a new generation, new thought process, which is that you will do well because you have done good. And that those are going to be essential in the social media, quick context, everybody time. And that perspective really then can help filter through everything that an organization and a company does. So I think that's, that's one area to kind of think about. The second is, as you think about in an organization, whether big or small or nonprofits uh, or work on, um, and you think about your social efforts, it requires a social strategy 
and innovation and the rest that's very similar to what you might do for research and development or your financial strategy or others. And it needs to have that same thought process. It is not an automatic win. I'm going to do good. I'm going to go. It's going to be great for everybody. You've got to really understand what the situation is, what your objectives and goals are, and the key strategies to help you get there. So I think those two things, having a narrative of you're going to do well because you do good in today's world, the transparency is there. Um, and approaching this like a business challenge or an issue can really lead to, to, to better results are, I think, two things to consider as you uh, in, embark on these types of efforts. Fabulous. Daryl, thank you so much for being with us. Daryl Brewster, the CEO of CECP, you have really done a great job setting the stage for our continuing conversations about CEO co- coalitions for social impact mm-hmm. in their communities. I love the uh, points I'm going to highlight. Just kind of reinforce some of these points that you mentioned. You know, you mentioned the importance of collaborative goals. You mentioned the importance of trust and, and the kind of trust you can get when people are united in their geographic community or, or around a community of interest. This narrative of how you frame, you know, it's not social impact or financial impact. What you're suggesting is it it may not only be uh, social impact and financial impact. We love seeing both of those. But you're really saying, you know, there's a there may be a financial return for social impact. Engagement leads to better long-term performance, uh, and that is great. And then I think this this point that you've emphasized and the term you've emphasized of a social strategy is also a, a really good point because it says, like, you know, this isn't going to happen on the fly. Mm-hmm. It, it is part of your strategic effort. It's going to take time to figure out that strategy. So I think these are all really valuable points for our listeners and great for uh, setting us up for our continuing conversation. So we're going to take a break, but stick with us. When we come back, we'll be talking with Fred Keller, founder of Cascade Engineering and founder of Talent 2025. Thanks for listening. This is uh, Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.